Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Studies in 1 John. Um, this morning, I think even in the coming weeks, as we've been going through this, I'm trying to give um, all of you, and I really appreciate it, B's prayer. Um, my daughter had an interesting conversation with me uh, this past week. Some of it has to do with my age, not any plans or anything. We haven't talked about anything like that. But she said, um, won't you be glad when you don't have, she said, what are you doing today? And I said, I'm studying. She said, won't you be glad when you don't have to do that anymore? And I said, no. I said, because I'm going to keep, I'll keep doing it. Study has been so deeply and vastly important to me. And what she was referring to is, <clears throat> Dad, you're getting older, and when are you going to stop doing this with others? I don't know till, till God says, or nobody wants to listen to me anymore, and quite a few don't, but that's okay. You do. At least that's maybe one reason why you're here and gives hope in my heart that, it, that it's not, that it has a purpose, but its greater purpose is to learn about Jesus. And study is so, has been a deep, deep part of my life, all of my Christian life. Now, yes, I was trained as a research analyst, and so uh, research is like part of my, it's my shtick. It's, it's what I enter into and what I do, but it's also been deeply life-changing for me. It's just, uh, it's just to delve in and explore the word has been like, uh, you ever been spelunking? How many of you know what spelunking is? Oh, good, most of you. Caving, going into a cave. Um, it's like that. You're going into this, this dark thing that we call the earth, and there, the, and all of a sudden you click a light on, and you find out the beauty that's there, and you start searching it out, and, it, and you go deeper and deeper, and it becomes more and more meaningful to you, even though there's darkness around you. And that's the way God shines his light in study. So what I'd like you to do, and I'll give a little introduction so that we can all catch up and get our headspace around what this was about um, in doing these studies, I believe that they are so important in this present darkness and at this time. And uh, I want you to remember when it was written, the things that we talked about in the past few weeks, why it was being written, and who was writing the letter. You have to keep going back to it. Not that, you know, not that John or, and the disciple John um, was more important than anybody else. It's actually Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and we understand that. But I believe at this current time, and as he's writing this, it's such a reflection of what he was having to go through at that time. And the things that we even talked about, our neighbors last week, and who is our community, and how important that is. Remember that they, they couldn't openly gather together. And so community was not something that you entered into lightly because you were also known by the people that you were with. And all of that just plays into that. And it's just been so, as I've, as I've listened to what our nation and you guys listen to it, both 
um, what that's what is called mainstream media and then there's conservative media and whichever one you listen to or maybe you listen to both there's this pressure going on in there there's just like I feel like I'm in one of those do you remember those old prep maybe they still use them the pressure cookers that you used to have on the stove that had the little valve and the stuff's boiling but it's going I remember my mom's doing that well I'm feeling that by the way, Danny, welcome back, huh? Patty let you go, huh? She was in Ireland, Northern Ireland to be specific, so. And then I want to also remind you this morning, remember also how John's letter is written, the stuff that I laid out as introduction, that he writes not a didactic expose like John would write laying out a thesis like he did in Romans of the theology of what we believe but John is writing in layers and narratives because he's thinking back he's reaching way back to when he was a teenager and remembering the things that Jesus said how important how deeply important that they were and he's an old man now he's in his mid-90s and he's remembering those things and he starts doing the narratives. And so John is written in layers. If you can imagine circles laid over one another, almost like Saturn and its rings. I've been watching that series on the planets. But there, there's, John puts layers in here. And if you can see them as overlapping circles, all the things he talks about are connected in circles and woven together. And if you can imagine, remember those old, uh, there it is, the old spirograph things where you did that, you know, you tried to hold it. I wasn't good at that. I'd hold it in place and, and it'd move a little bit. And then my ellipsis turned into an egg and it didn't circle very good. I remember also his entire letter is based on the factual truth of a person. Jesus Christ. He's referring back to a fact, but the fact is in a person. He's declaring the fact of Jesus. And he does that by personal witness. You know something's a fact. Um, somebody can explain a chair to you, but until you touch it, sit on it, feel it, and feel that it's got a back. You don't think it's a stool. You know the back is there. He's doing that with Jesus as a person, especially when he opens this up. And also the work of the cross and what Jesus did and how belief in that changes us. So that's the circle. And he stays within that circle. We're going to look at it really closely this morning. It's important... Because it defines how we are different. Remember the previous week's study. Um, we are Christians. We have something that has caused a birthing within us that makes us other than. It doesn't make us better than other people. It makes us alive. It makes us saved. It makes us to live our life by that last song. Isn't that last song incredible? Whoever wrote that, I went, I don't know if there's such a thing as a perfect song, but man, that's one of those songs that just include, I wouldn't, he didn't leave anything out, I don't think. You know, 
And uh, you end up going all day, so will I. Listen, John wrote about uh, how we are different, what that means to us and for us, and how we live our lives as believers in this world. That's one of the circles. He's writing about, he's telling all the other believers, look, this is what happened, and this is how we live here. And we'll look at that closely about what it means to live in a world that's still under the weight of sin and the sway of the evil one. It's surprising to me that many, many, many 20th century Christians, if you got saved in the 20th century, or maybe you're, you got saved after that in your 21st century, but it's stunning to me how many of us think that non-believers should look at the world and think like we do. And that they're bad because they don't. And so we relate to them in that way. And, they t and then we tell them, you're immoral. You're bad and you're no good. But that was you. Some of us were that. Maybe not all, but some of us were that. And so we're trying to make them <laughs> embrace our values and it's an impossibility because they don't have light in them. And they don't have life in them. So we're trying to tell them, you should do it because of this. And we're mad when they don't do it our way. Think through that. Make your head scratch. It's still under, he said, we know that the world is under the sway of the wicked one. The church that he's writing to, and then again to us, because I think we are, is still young. It's been assaulted by an oppressive government. We've talked about that before. And subject to false teaching that the enemy is trying to lead them into. And so it is here that John begins. He sees all this going on. And he goes, oh, the church is so young. It's not organized or anything. And he's going already. Can you imagine his heart where he already sees stuff coming in? And he tastes it or hears it and smells it and goes, that's not Jesus. <laughs> that's not the Jesus I walked with. That's not the Jesus I put my, my head against his breast and leaned into him. That's not the one I said, I'm the one that he loved. It doesn't have anything to do with him. And he sees this false teaching. So he starts writing almost like a grandfather, if you will. He's the grandfather tree of the church. And he starts laying this out. So with that, this next part of this study, and if you want to take snapshots of the slide, I still haven't learned the technology of putting this on the, on the internet, and I don't know how many of you would look at it on the website, but you can take a picture of it. But enter into this time of study with me. This study about living in eternal life may take two or three weeks, so... Hang on to your seats. We'll get through it. And it's really good, and it's got a lot of scripture, and that's why I'm saying this. You may want to make a snapshot. You study. There's my challenge as we begin. You enter into it. You look up the scriptures, and you hear from the God who loves you about what he wants you to get out of it. Yes? Good challenge. 1 John 1. You just did this last week. I know. Hang on. We'll get there. 
That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have held concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Why did you get loud when you said declare? Because you shouldn't declare things softly because of the word that it means. Declare, if you look it up in the dictionary, is this. It's to make known in a formal way, officially or explicitly something. It's to make known as a determination. That means it's a mark of what life is built around. It determines something. It's to make it clear. And when he says declare, he's, he means I want to I say it in such a way that it's evident to you. It's like in a, uh, we just recently had a, a, a court case that was looked at very very closely and I don't know if you watched any of it and I'm not deciding I'm not giving an opinion to you on one way or the other but when that jury foreman started reading the verdict and you started seeing the declaration and a teenage boy's knees started to buckle that's declaring something and she declared something now whether you agree with the decision or not her declaration was not guilty. And what I thought about was each of us standing before the Lord and the jury foreman, Jesus Christ, stands up and looks at you before the Father and says, not guilty. That's justification. Never, you're not guilty now and you're not going to be guilty then. You've passed out of death into life. Not Say this over yourself right now. Not guilty. Man, I watched it three times yesterday. Not because I was, again, I'm not trying to be political. It was that aspect that the Lord was showing me. To have somebody to declare over your life. That's what John's writing. I'm declaring something to you. That which I saw and heard and touched has a declaration of life over you. Whoa. Mm. For each of us, in this present darkness, light has been declared over you. Here and now. You'll never have to go search in a cave again to find something. The light has shown, John says. It's been made known. So this is the declaration. Let's look at it. 
as he's doing this. He's making an announcement that has this when you declare something. That's why I'm being emphatic this morning. It has both authority and urgency behind it. There's, there's an urgency as John says this. He sees this as a grandfather looking over the church. And he feels this urgency in his heart to explain it. How many times did he preach it or explain it? Thousands? Thousands of times probably. Can you imagine little kids sitting around John going, Uncle John, tell us again. What did he say? And he says it so many times. But here, he's feeling an urgency when he writes this. He's not suggesting, nor is he trying to persuade them to look at something that will bring aid and comfort. That is not what this is written about, though it brings aid and comfort. He's declaring to them that which is true and eternal. That's why it's a declaration. He's making a statement that literally has become the word of God to us. Think how you think about the word of God. Well, that's the Bible. Yes. He didn't know he was writing the Bible, but he's declaring it in such a way that it becomes the Bible. It becomes a part of the story that we know about Jesus. Deeply important to our lives and deeply important to study. It's why God came to earth. It's of supreme importance to everyday life. I think we have a tendency as to believers to forget why we're believers. We go through life here trying to live good moral lives and that was never the intent of God. If he wanted to do that, he would have made things very differently. God came to earth in human form so you could become godlike. Huh? He was incarnated so you could receive the impartation of who he was. He left it as this, uh, he becomes, as some writers say, the incorruptible seed that came into the earth that was a light to a dark place. And the light was life. It became life. So he interjects into a dead thing and it says this of you you were dead in trespass and sin you weren't alive and when the light comes in you become born again you receive life the life of God the incorruptible seed planted in you in human form this is stunning this is just this is mind-boggling to me. The more I, well, hang with me. Let's keep studying. It's the most important declaration that could be made to believers. Now, I understand everything that Paul wrote, and I'm, you know I'm a fan of Paul, and Romans is my favorite book. But, oh, here's something. He's making a declaration to every believer that reads it, receives it, and studies it, and yet we tend not to grasp its importance even though it affects you forever. Here's something you can enter into reading that is actually in place 
because you're a believer and have the incorruptible seed in you, it's in place affecting you and we don't take the time to recognize it or acknowledge it. I didn't. Maybe you're way... and There's times when I did. And I know that you know there's times when you did. Um, and there's times where we go through life where it's very hard to see the light. I understand that. And when I walk through the desert place, I understand those testimony songs. But in reality, when Jesus came in, I became an eternal being. It affected me forever. It affects you forever. Forever. You're not waiting for heaven to become an eternal being. You became an eternal being when you received Christ. It's there. It's in you. So, John does an interesting thing. He says, this is the message. So he's described what Jesus did and how he came in with life. And he says, this is the message. What are you supposed to take away from these verses? Eternal life. This is the message. Eternal life. Not another evangelistic program to change the world. Not another monolith built in the desert to show how many Christians go there. I'm being critical. Not another attempt to move our government three paces forward. Not another attempt to right the wrongs of the earth. But right here, eternal life. He says, this is the message. That you live life here eternally. I don't want to sin because I don't want the Lord to be mad at you. Not guilty. It's done. Condemnation isn't for the day you stand in heaven. Condemnation was on the day that you received Christ that it was lifted. It's gone. So that you could live eternally now. Here. It's such a... uh, There's so much of my own life that's wrapped into this, and this is why this study has just electrified me. Verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, all of it, he says, this is the message. It all regards eternal life. Life is in God. God is light. That light is life And it's a special kind of life. It's eternal life. It's not temporal life that will uh, give up. This is, though I know it's very handsome and all that, but this is just a, a flesh bag. This is nothing. The seed of Christ is inside of this. Now think of what the scripture says. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's talking about here in this present darkness. He's not talking about something that will occur because we have a mix-up of when we think about eternal life. 
we apply it to something that's in heaven. And it was meant to be for here. He came into this world and was the light. To say yes to this, is to take hold of a conscious possession of the life of God within us. This is what it started doing to me. I went, oh, I, I prayed for so many years. You have too, about all the different stuff. And then this is the thing, I realized this, even after receiving a revelation of grace back in, in 20, the end of 2010 and, and going into it in 2011, this was the revelation in the past five years of which I became more myself. Life. Really being me. The real me. Not the me that I was living, not even faking, sometimes faking, but living so that you would see God, me, you, trying to validate the gospel there's only one person who can validate the gospel, and that's Jesus Christ. He validates himself. You don't validate him. He validates you. He doesn't need us to validate who he is. He already knows who he is. To unbelievers, how will they know unless we trust God? So when it, to take a conscious possession of this, you have to look to what John is referring back to. Remember, that which I've seen, that which I heard. He's talking about the same stuff he presented in this gospel. This is how you know it's connected. This is how you know that the guy who wrote 1 John is the guy that at least penned in part or most the gospel of John is because it's connected with the same, remember the circles, the same circle. The same theme. The theme that he actually listened to, he said that which we heard, he listened to Jesus lay out this theme. And uh, I love the way the Chosen did this in one of their scenes about John when he, he starts writing the Gospel of John. And he does the in the beginning. He, he had seen something. So, if you look at John 1, so he's referring back to this. As, he, as you study this, you can see this. He's going, here's where they connect, and that's why I said you may want to take a photograph so you can go there this week. I encourage you to over the coming month. In the beginning was the Word. He's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, remember what he said in 1 John, and the life was the light of men. In a dark place, God shined into the world. If you're scared about today, let the light of God shine into your life. I think half the United States has gone wacko. I'm just going, what? 
It's like, I know all the moorings are shifting. So what do you do then? Shine the light into your heart again. Let him shine into you. Because as that light comes in, there's what? Life. They're try- everything's trying to snuff out. We know what the work of the enemy is. And everything he's doing is trying to snuff out life. Everything from people gathering together to, and this isn't, again, it's, it's not a, I'm not making a value statement or a judgment. I'm making an observation. Whether somebody has to inject something into their life or not, whether they have to receive something from outside or not. I mean, it's so symbolic. Even though we don't know what it's going to do. Here, take this. It's good for you. Maybe you took it. Maybe you didn't. I don't care. Maybe I took it. Maybe I didn't. I don't care. But I know this. All of those things are working to steal life from us in one way or another. Don't depend on politics and Beloved, please don't depend on one party or the other. They're both political. Pray for them, yes. If there's one that looks good to you, follow them. But I do know this, if they don't have the light of Christ, they don't have life. And there's no life in that. I successfully limited uh, so I get my weekly report I took away about 30 minutes of screen time this week well done Lloyd well done (laughs) you know why I did because I was studying and then when I was studying life begets life I started praying and when I was praying I started worshiping When I was worshiping and walking through the yard, I didn't want to look at anything else. How often do you pray? All the time. Because everlasting, eternal life is with me. And this isn't a knock on any of those songs, but you do know you are the secret place, right? If you don't know that, you need to have the light come into you. You don't have to go to a secret place. You are the secret place that Christ lives in. It's stunning. I don't have to do something to get it. I have it. It's mine. Not guilty, remember? He's right here. Isn't this monumental? I read this stuff and I go, oh, God. I'm not thinking, oh, that's going to be good at church. Not that I'm kidding you. He's, he's speaking these things to my life because I'm entering into the word of light that's bringing life to me and I'm recognizing it as eternal life. These are the eternal things. The eternal weight of glory that Paul wrote about is inside of me. John 3.15. Look at what he says here. Now remember, he's talking about the life of, of Jesus that he saw lived on the earth. So this is, again, this is the story of Nicodemus. 
And this is what he knows is because he, he was with Jesus and so he lived this story with Jesus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that whoever believes in him would never perish, but have what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To all who believe in him. Not, we'll look at this in a little bit, but some of it's because we're bound by the word eternal in our misthoughts about it and what we know of what it means. So here's what he said, and I know these are a lot. That's why I said you may want to take snapshots of them so you can do your own study in this. The circles continue. John keeps... He's remembering everything that he wrote before. He wrote that gospel. So this is in John 6. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You're not alive. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. He's not talking about the day that you die. He's talking about on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. We thought it meant don't sin. He'll abide in God. And I in him. Now listen to what he says. This is John. Same guy who wrote 1 John. As the living Father, he's quoting Jesus. This is the stuff that's in the red if you have that kind of Bible. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. The minute you let the light and life of Jesus Christ start entering into your conscience, you're eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And the no condemnation and the life that you have is his life. And it's your life. Your life and his life combined into an eternal life. One that will endure, go on forever. Can you do one more slide? So, he keeps, you have to keep going with this. You have to keep layering the circles. And the more you layer them, the more you're going, what? Because it, it will affect the here and now, the temporal. My sheep, we all know this one, well, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Look what he says. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. 
If there's anything that can make you secure and sure in an insecure day that we live in, in this present darkness, it is that. I have the life of God no matter what any government does. That's what John was writing. Think of the Roman Caesars. We think we have it bad. Think of the Caesars who you could lose your head just because you didn't look right or he had a whim or a fancy. And you received life now. Here, you have. Here's the thing. We don't practice it, but we each have it. If you received Christ, you have eternal life. Think what that means. Think what that means about how you pray, how you worship. How you say hello to a loved one. How you argue. How you disagree. How you call something just or unjust. The decisions that you make for yourself, for your children, your grandchildren, your aunts and uncles, your daughters and sons. John 17, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. This is in the upper room. This is only his disciples heard this. And they're listening to him pray and John remembers it and writes it down. And Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, he just, isn't it interesting that he didn't have his eyes shut? With every knee bowed. Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you had given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. He's talking about you. He's praying about you and I. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and me whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. How do I engage into eternal life? Get to know Jesus. He likes to shine his light around in the caves of your life. He loves to go spelunking, especially the places that you've caged up and don't want him there. And he was already there before you. And he wants to shine into you and go, Oh, you don't have to keep that door shut. Not guilty. Remember what I declared over you? Not guilty. No one can lay a blame at you. Yet you're laying the blame at you. Day in and day out. Won't let him come into that place and set you free. And that's eternal life is to be free. It can become a truly dangerous person when you have nothing left to prove. Because then you can really be you. It's so strange in my own life, less people listening to me now, and I'm more alive than I've ever been in my life. How do you feel about turning 70? Incredible. Monumental. I fellowship with the living God daily. 
Are you trying to brag? No, I'm trying to tell you it's eternal life. And I have it now. Now. And I can't maintain regrets. Oh, if I'd known it when I was 15. I probably wouldn't have had less boarded up caves in my life. What would have changed? I don't know, but the whole journey got me here now, and now he shines in me. And to quote a poem, it feels like my hands could live in the air like swallows. My heart leaps for joy because the God of the universe is alive in me. And the one that we sang about, that he, he spoke a thousand stars into being, spoke me into being, and I have life. Man, here, now, in this temporal place, I have eternal life. You have eternal life. Now. It should make you other than. It was designed... To make you different. I don't want to be different. You will. You're either dead or alive. And alive is very different than dead. That's why we look different than the world. It's not because we're not human beings. It's because we're alive and they're dead. We look different than that. We choose different than that. We see different than that. We think different than that. That which our eyes have seen and heard and handled. We enter into John's sphere. Is this making sense? We enter into this circle that he's talking about. And the circle that he's talking about is you. He's encircling you with truth. Eternal truth. Drawing a circle around you. And just like those, what were they called again? Spirographs. He's drawing the circle of your life. And cares and loves you eternally. And will never let you go. And never abandon you. Never forsake you. Never not acknowledge you. This is eternal life. We'll we'll finish it. We'll get to parts two and three. Please enter the time of studying this. Spend time with it. Let it affect you. I might start acting like you. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) I hope it just gets inside of you and just messes you up to good. Father, I pray for the revelation of your light, Jesus, to enter into our beings, young and old, child to adult, child to grandparent, That you would shine in them in such a way that every place that they turn where they think there's darkness, you would already be, as the psalm says, behold, you are there. You would shine in the the dark place and you would shine brighter in the light of the light place. Change, invite, compel human hearts. Don't leave these ones alone. Let them know that they are alive, fully alive in you, and that you know them.
and that the Father knows them. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and by the authority and power of His name. I lay it upon everybody in this room, me included. Do it again and again and again, we pray in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen?